Amen. Take, uh, take your handout. You should find that in the bulletin. And uh, I, I like to appreciate Jean. She does such a nice job with that. And uh, we appreciate her good work on that week by week. <clears throat> We're uh, breaking from the Dr. Luke's Gospel. And we may for another week. And I want to go back and I've entitled the message, The God Who Rewards. The God Who Rewards. I take your Bible and look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at just two verses there, verses 5 and 6. You know, there's a few things in, in life so wonderful, really so wonderful as old friends. Few things so wonderful as that. Uh, I remember uh, years ago, uh, uh, one of our deacons in early church in Indiana said to me, uh, you know, my mother, uh, Clifford said, my mother said, if you get to the end of your life and you have this many real friends, one, two, three, four, five, you are a wealthy person. I remember Faith and I think like, well, that's, that seems really pessimistic. You know? <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. Uh, the longer I live, I realize a genuine true friend is such a rare thing. People are fear whether friends or they're passing by or, you know, if you're winning, they're for you. Have you ever noticed that? And, uh, you know, you, you have a problem and they, they're absent. Wow. I, friends are some of the God's sweetest blessings as we share this journey called life together. They, they really are. Friends, what do they do? They, they do a lot of things. They encourage us. You can. You can. You can do that. They, they counsel us. They're in the midst of... Uh, of counsel, there's wisdom. And we go like, oh, I got to go ask what they think. Am I losing my mind? They help me think through it. And girls do that a lot. Guys, we don't do it quite as much. But, uh, you know, some of you are like, I got to tell my mother. She's got it. She knows everything. You know, like this kind of thing. Girls understand it better than uh, guys maybe. <clears throat> and the evidence and result typically shows that. But counsel, they support us, they carry us, they play with us. Friends play. Some of you don't play enough. You know, we're a book, 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 book. I grew up in a family like that. All we do is work. I felt faith is like that. I, I was, I've been counseling on recent months. You don't play, you know, it's not, you don't play enough. That's something only a friend would say, right? And so she's working on trying to play a little bit. Well, there's things to do, you know, things to do. You know, like, <laughs> always things to do. And to pray. Friends, pray with and for us. Isn't that right? And uh, God has given me some friends. Faithy's, you know, she's my wife all these years, and I, and, you know, there's no better friend than my sweetheart, right? And, 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 and to make the case, sometimes I tell her, because I didn't meet her till she was 19, and I was 19, and I go like, one of my only regrets is, is that I didn't know you were this high. And that we could have grown up in those years and, and knew that. It's just a tender thought uh, that there's a, a whole segment of my life that I didn't even know her. And it's probably good that she didn't know me at that point. <laughs> we may not have been here. You know, you do the math and figure that one out. But <clears throat> anyway, have you ever thought that your Bible, your Bible is one of your very best friends? Have you ever thought of that? You should think that way as you read and study and pour over your Bible while you're walking through the ups and downs. And aren't there ups and downs? It's like Hershey Park. <laughs> there we go. Life, right? It's, it's our, your Bible 
it's a wonderful companion and friend as you walk through the ups and downs of life. And in those times, God whispers into your heart his wonderful words. That's what he does for me when I read his word daily. He knows what's coming, and he, he, he whispers me, well, I'm with you. You know, I'm your keeper. I'm your defender. The Lord's my shepherd. I am his. He is mine, you know, and, and so on. And the blessings of God, he whispers that into my soul. And I'm so grateful for that. Moses, David, shall we say more, Isaiah, John, Luke, Paul, and others. These are God's friends who help us carry and at times carry us as we memorize verses and we are Bible and I and, and they carry us through. I've, it's great to have De Debbie's here. You don't know Debbie, but Debbie helped me with OIP, and she knew she knew Galen, all the you know the semi cripples here that were in there. She's like, oh, I've seen you, and she helped over uh, with my second hip replacement at OIP when I was laying there like I'll never walk again. And uh, Todd and the gang and Deb, they helped me say, uh, yeah, I think you will, you know, and 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 so on. So it's so great to have you and Cody here 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 today. And, uh, and, and, and really helped carry me. I, that was my point, you know. I mean, like God's friends, like friends that we have, carry us at times when we're like basket cases. And, and we've all been there, and maybe you're there even now. You say, I can't go on another moment. God's word will carry you through. God's, God's friends. Well, there are a number of passages that I consider to be my old friends number of them. The thing with, with pastoring, and if you have an expositional ministry, you know, you preach through books. We've been, I've been through so many books in these years. It's been a joy to study them, to teach them, to God's people, to see the Word of God take root into your heart, and you come to know God and His Word, and your place in life, and, and the joy of that. And the, and the shame of it sometimes is we don't go back to some of those, oh, I did that you know, I, I, the text today, I'm like, oh, they all know that I know. I look back, and it was 10 years ago that I, I, I was thinking, like, what is that, a few, a few, no, it wasn't a few years. 10 years ago. I said, it's time to bring up an old friend. We're at a very interesting point as a church when we think about how in the world can uh, we, we uh, see God move in our midst to, to provide for our building and to have closing on September 30th. We've been going through all the hoops and all of these things for 23 months. And we go like, will there ever be a gathering place, church there on the property? And some are like, well, I'm not so sure. Some of you are hanging around just to see. Like, and we're like, we're the little boy with a lunch. Feeding of the 5,000. Don't have much. I mean, Roger's fond of saying, we're Gideon's 300. I go like, I wish we had 300. <laughs> and, that, and so we're like, what is it that God is going to do in our midst? Let's trust him for great things. Let's keep our eyes fixed upon him. So like Moses at the Red Sea, stand back. You know, it was not open then and see the deliverance of the Lord. I've seen that in days gone by. You know, I've seen the deliverance uh, back when I was freshly out of seminary and a million years ago. Uh, we were in a little church plant in Indiana, and we had a little piece of property, and, uh, and uh, we like, we'd like to get a, a building. But we were very young in age, and a little smaller group than this, and, 
And so we, we are convinced we should move ahead by faith, and we trusted God. And I was sharing that with the elders the other night. Um, we said, we're, by God's grace, we need to build a, a facility as a place to worship and train and disciple and be a lighthouse in this community. And once we decided to do that, I received in the mail a letter from, uh, uh, it was called Friends of, it was a Baptist Church, Faith Baptist Church, an appeal box in a different town. And uh, I go like, well, what is this? I opened up, read the letter, it was typed, and said, understand that you love the gospel of the Lord, you want to build a facility there in North Manchester for the glory of God, blah, blah, blah. We want to encourage you. We will match every dollar in the next six weeks that your congregation raises for this project. We'll, re we'll match up to $30,000. Now, that was incredible. We're talking the uh, early 80s now. That was big money then, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I just laid it before the people. I said, look at this. We have a challenge. After three weeks, we had like $17,000. Now, we just started. 17000 came in where people were, it was electrifying. And so I sent a little note to the P.O. box. Friend, dear friends, just wanted to give a midterm report. We're raised 17000 by God's grace alone. And isn't this exciting and so on. Three days later, I got a cashier's check in the mail, $17,000. And I reported it to the church. I go, look at this. We stepped out by faith, looking unto the Lord, knowing he owns everything anyway. It's all his. And now we have $34,000. We had nothing, you know, three weeks ago. And I go, and it, it was electric. And for the next three or four weeks, went up to that point. The church raised about $34,000. Back then, average age was young. They were just getting started, families, this kind of thing. And uh, I sent a letter back to the P.O. Box, and I said, thank you so much for your encouragement. You know, we went over what you said. You said 30000 you'd match. Came in around 34000 as I remember. And I realized you said thirty, and that I, about a week later, I got a check. No, we want to match it all the way up to 34000 And within six weeks at the beginning of that, God used such a tangible thing like money. He, he teaches a lot through money, doesn't he? We had like $75,000 toward that, and, and God continued to bless and direct, and I've seen him as we walk by faith and keep our eyes on him. A lot of times we want to just sit down and figure it all out. Have you ever noticed that? I got to figure it out, or I'm, you know, Philip was like that. Philip, how, how much food to, to feed these 5,000? Philip's the accountant, right? He's the accountant group. He's sitting down, well, not, we need this. Holy cow, we need this one. He's figuring it No, no, you can't. I love the majesty and mystery and wonder of God that God works on. That's why we love secret giving here, that you give unto the Lord. And our guys count it because someone's got to count it recorded for IRS and that kind of, but they wish they didn't, and that God get the glory. And so that's, that's where we are at this point. So we're going to look at an old friend that will remind us today. Um, uh, and, and give us the joy that we, as we listen to this one, as a church, as we face a challenge that lies before us, and it's my hope that this friend, this verse, this section of Scripture in Hebrews 11, reminds us that God is the rewarder, uh, uh, and he rewards. What a great thought. Don't often hear this, but it's true. And there are two conditions, then, necessary for you and I, as, and we as a church, to experience God's reward of answered prayer. We're going to discover in our passage, Hebrews 11, 5, and 6, it is the prayer offered earnestly in childlike faith 
to our great and glorious God that receives his reward. Hebrews chapter 11, the little couplet, verse 5 and 6. Let me read this. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And here's the focus, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is or he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him or seek him with fervor or heat is the idea. And uh, we're going to discover here that uh, our God rewards. When I was a little boy, I would go to the post office in our city, in the greater Buffalo area with my father. He'd do his, uh, his uh, post office, his business stamps, and he'd often buy trade and collect the, uh, the block squares with the numbers in it. He had a tremendous stamp collection, and he did his mailings and that. And that. I remember going as a little boy. It was a big thing to go with Dad. And uh, I remember standing at the post office, one of these old-style post offices, and over on the, on the side was all these wanted posters. Have you ever seen that? Do they still do that? I don't even know if they do that. Do they do that also? Yeah. Where they had these really nasty-looking FBI's Number one wanted criminal. It gives a whole listing of this scoundrel and all that he's done. And a, and a number of them, a number of them, Joe, I never saw your picture there, but a number of them had a reward on it. $5,000 reward for the information leading to that, blah, blah, blah. You know, reward. Well, that really captivates the mind of a little boy, right? You know, you're there like, reward See, do I, is there anybody I know there? Like, yeah, it looks like Jimmy in my class. You know, I know. And that kind of reward. God, call, God in his word says that he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And that's the kind of person, family, and church. I want to be a part of a church that seeks the heart of God, that knows the blessing and reward of God in, in our life in this namely answered prayer. Well, there are two conditions. The first condition we see is that, Roman number one, you must approach God knowing his greatness is beyond your understanding. It's beyond understanding. It's beyond comprehension completely. Totally. Totally. You are, uh, you are really puny. I am puny, small, and frail. We just arrived. I mean, some of you have been around here. You look like you've been around here longer than it, but we sort of just arrived. When you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and the mountain and the oceans and everything like this, we sort of just arrived, and uh, uh, we're, we're finite. And uh, I could remember everything I ever learned, but I can't hardly remember a lot of it. I, you, know, you know, it's name, rank, and social security number if I take a peek at it when they ask you that, right? And uh, God in his magnificent glory and greatness is far beyond us. You know, sometimes, I know Jonathan preached last week, and he said we want to ask why you know, I often think about that, like, well, why is God allowing this? Why is he doing that? And, and God, in the great drama of redemption in the plan of the ages, I mean, it's like he, he'd lean over and say, I could tell you what I'm doing, but you'd never understand it. Look, I can't understand most things. Can you? Can you understand how electricity flows? But you're not going to sit around in the dark until you can, until you turn it on, you flip the switch. Electrons floating through there. Yeah, like, like we've seen them, right? Never. And everything else, God is so great and glorious and wonderful, and we must approach him knowing of his greatness, 
that he is beyond our understanding. <clears throat> now, what do we mean? Hebrews 11, look at A. Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter of our Bible, as it pro provides us with a list of men and women who are renowned for trusting in the Lord God. It's, the God, it's the God's grace in them. You see, the need is there, the person is there, but uh, until the grace of God calls that one to salvation and then to himself in Christ, of course, and then to trusting him, that is all of grace from beginning to end. The very fact that we're at this point, we're saying, we're going to exercise trust in God as a church to lead us into the next step. That's of grace. I mean, it's not in, in us. We'd be far afield in different directions and far away. And God has brought us as a church family together. He's brought us to this point. He's more concerned with growing Jesus in you than in building buildings as important as a tool like that may be to the accomplishment of his gospel. But he's trying to grow us up in Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? And so in, in this chapter, it's like walking through a museum. And you look at one exhibit, and then the next, and next, and next, as you walk through this great hall of faith, hall of fame, some call it that. Well, when you come to verse 5, early in it, it introduces us to this pre-flood man called Enoch. Now, Enoch is, uh, uh, is very unusual. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, the father of Methuselah, and uh, he, the Bible says he came to know God. He walked with him, and that's the picture of our life as a, as a Christian man or woman, walking with the Lord. He walked for many years. Can we say it? 365 years. If you, I have the text, I think, in Genesis 5. Mm -hmm. They were the long years before the flood, before the vapor canopy and all that, and human life with its longevity and all that. That's a long time. You'd be pretty decrepit looking today if you lived 365 years. You'd probably need, well, you wouldn't be in here. For you, I, and you probably wouldn't know anything. And, and they say that. They, don't they say that with two-year-olds and 90-year-olds? I'm sorry, 95-year-olds? When it's at your birthday party, somebody has to tell you these are your friends. You know, so 365 years old, walking with God. And the text says in Genesis uh, he was not. He went out for a walk one day, and God said, Hey, Enoch, just come home. Just translated him right home. He's only one of two in the whole Bible. Elijah was the other that went to glory without dying. And Enoch is a wonderful picture uh, of uh, that generation of the church that will be on, on the earth when Jesus comes back bodily and calls his church. We will go without dying. And we look at him and we go, like, Lord, it can't be long. This is a crazy place. And when a bomb, Israel, the Middle East is tanking and everything else, and the, oh, man, oh, the Lord, it can't be long. And, and, I, and I, I happen to be of that persuasion. I look for the Lord every day. We're supposed to. It'll change the way we live. We look at even as the Lord is today, the day you're coming. And there will be a group that will go and meet the Lord without dying. The dead in Christ will rise, but we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to be with the Lord forever. So shall we be with the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. And that's what Enoch is a picture of. He's a man who escaped death. God translated. Well, the first condition then, well, what is it? The first condition is far more, if, if we're going to be rewarded by God in our individual lives and have a prayer life that's effective and that, that God uses by his grace to move his purposes, the first condition is far more than believing that God or a God exists. Again, we read that in Hebrews 11, without faith, incidentally, that a has a very personal application to me, right? Without faith, 
it's impossible for this guy to please God. She loves that. I used to say when I taught it that faith, she pointed this verse out when we dated. But uh, that's never true, and she always gets upset when I say it. So I'm not going to say that today. <laughs> today. But without faith, I love her name. You know, it's like a constant reminder. We walk by faith, not by sight. Actually, you know, I've saved by faith. I walked by faith. I married faith. And once I, I pastored faith... And, uh, and I look forward by faith, so my life is filled with faith, right? So anyway, without faith, forget that, come back, come back to me now. Without faith, it's impossible, it's the word dunamis, not able, you're not able to please God without faith. Why? Because they that come to him must believe, first condition, that he is. Esten, that he is. Now, it's more than saying, well, I'm not an atheist. I believe that there is a God. It's much more than simply that. You have to know that he's there to come to him, or that'd be nonsense, right? But it's more than that in the idea. So what's a, what, what does it mean when, when we say, there are many who say, well, I believe in God. The demons believe that, James tells us. But they have very, people, some have very strange notions about God and very unbiblical ideas about him. I mean, we could give a whole list, deisms like that. You know, our founding fathers, a lot of them were, were uh, inoculated with a deistic viewpoint where uh, God just sent everything out he created and it just lets it go, like running down a clock. And he's not involved in the world. Uh, that's not the God of the Bible. Uh, the Bible is the Lord holds it all together, and history is his story moving to its defined ending, and he is sovereign over all of it. Well, there are a lot that think that, have that thought. Impersonal force, there are a lot of people. You know, feel the force. Feel the force. Turn the... <laughs> don't do that when you're driving. I just close my eyes and feel, go with the force. No, don't do that, okay? Or the impersonal force of Hinduism. There's just some sort of force in the universe. That's not God. That's not the God. Of, that's not the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not it. it, it or, or some of the Jewish rabbis will say, well, you know, God is really good, but he's not great. He really wants it to work out well, but, you know, there's trouble that happens to good people. Well, that's not right either. That's, 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 that's wrong. That's a, that's a shrunken God thing. God is great. He is good, and he brings about for his glory. Well, it's also popular in our day to blur the line of distinction between God and all other gods by saying they all refer to the same God. Now, I saw the religious leader in Rome yesterday. I hope he was misquoted saying, he said something like, well, people don't even have to know God to be, go to heaven. I go like, what? Yeah, if they just follow their conscience. Listen, our conscience in a lost state will lead us to hell. That's not a good guide. To follow your conscience is only good if it's saturated with the Spirit of God and you're saturated in the Word of God and you're led by the Spirit of God. And even that, our, our situation is pretty bad intuitively. We are sinners. Born in sin and we sin. So, you know, say follow your conscience. You don't have to. You could be an atheist and still end up in heaven. I go like, what? That's not what my Bible team, maybe you saw that. It hit the headlines. They go like, oh, man impossible. That all the gods are the same, the, the, the uh, Allah, uh, uh, you know, of, uh, of the Muslim world, the same as Jesus, same as, uh, uh, no, it, it, absolutely impossible. A cannot be non-A at the same time, simple logic. You can't be this and the opposite and at the same time. 
you're in the world of Alice in Wonder. It's make-believe. Never happened. Well, this, uh, this uh, condition calls us then not only to approach the Lord in our prayers as the one who exists, that he is, but more than that, to recognize his greatness and his glory. It means that you and I need to think rightly about God who reveals himself in creation. He revealed himself in the person of Christ, and he's revealed himself in the wonderful revelation of our Bible. He tells us who he is. He's the self-revealing God in his glory. It means that as if we're going to fulfill the first condition, we need to think rightly about him. Such thinking will change your life and certainly your prayers. Well, then who is this God? Well, let me just say a few things. I have a, just a couple on your list. He's holy. God is holy. Now, holy is uh, the primary meaning. He's altogether different. He's in a category all his own. He's just not one of many. Uh, we say that with a baseball player that can, he can powder the ball over the fence. Uh, Chris Davis had a great uh, start, a good half, first half of the season down at Baltimore Orioles. They thought, Maybe he's going to beat Roger Maris' old record there before the drug and all that a few years ago. And uh, he slowed down a little bit. Maybe went like, is he in a league all his own? You know, that's the idea. Hold the holy other sometimes. God is holy. And the secondary sense is pure. Usually we think that first, but he's altogether different. Holy, holy, holy. Nothing, no one can compare to him. That's why God said, don't even make an image. Don't make an idol, don't make a picture, because any of that will fall so far short of the living, breathing, glorious God in all his greatness. And uh, it'll, 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 it'll be uh, truncated, and, and it will be uh, miniaturized, and it'll pervert him. So don't even make an image of him. And second, God's all-powerful. He's the creator, sustainer. He sustains everything moment by moment. It's his world. He merely speaks, and it's done. I've said how many times as a dad I used to say things. It's great to have David here as he came in from Indiana. But I'd say, like, I want the grass cut. I'd say to my son, pontificate. I want that grass cut Saturday morning by 9 o'clock. Well, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, I go, like, well, I haven't heard the lawnmower. Well, what's going on up there, you know? <laughs> oh, Dad, late basketball game. Oh, you know, I, I can't even get the grass cut. You know, like my word carries a lot of weight around here. God says the word. Recheck it in Genesis. God speaks, and it happens. And a lot of times, the Lord doesn't even speak, and people are healed. It happens. I mean, the spoken word is power. When you're Almighty God, and, and, and you're never deploying the, the, uh, a decrease in energy, you know, you think, well, I fill the gas tank up. I got a whole tank of energy. Now it's a half tank. God expends energy. He must be half. No, he's always, always almighty. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. He, God knows three. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's the repository of all knowledge, not the Library of Congress. All knowledge is his. All truth is his. All truth. David, David's taken his last class in university in mathematics, and uh, we had fun of saying, like, look, that's God. This is God's world. Math, the glory of it, it's always the same. It doesn't change. You know, it's numbers and math and, that, and the joy to study God's word. You know, that all truth is God's truth. Uh, four, God is everywhere present at the same time. In him we live, move, and have our being. Acts 17. I mean, it's not like, I better cry louder to God, maybe he's not here. No, he... We stand in the audience of God 24-7. And even if you think the darkness will hide you, impossible. The Psalmist of 139, darkness and light are all the same. 
It's like that night vision. I'd like to try that sometime. Mark, I'm, you don't have that for hunting, do you? That night thing? That, the Russians, I, they imported a lot of those real cheap, and I always thought, oh, I'd love just to see that green. You, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I just kind of, oh, thanks, Jeannie. <laughs> you just see what that night, you sort of moon. They said it's from the rays of the stars in the moon or something, and you can see, like, oh, there's a deer. Now, I, I know nobody in Pennsylvania ever violates uh, you have to hunt deer until, right? Nobody here ever hunted before sunrise, right? How come I've been in your tree stand and I heard gunshots before I saw the sun? I don't know how that worked. I did, uh, not, not for me. That wouldn't have helped me anyway, I don't think. <laughs> and four, five, God is sovereign. He's king over all. Whatever he does, he does, whatever he wills, he does. Nothing stops him. God, five, six, God is love. He loves his children with an unending love. It's forever. It's not like the cheap love in this world or this culture of ours. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. How many marriages and relationships and all that get broken and we end up uh, hurt to the depth of our heart? God's love is not like it's ever constant. He loves He loves because he loves. The first condition then for us to be rewarded uh, when we approach God in prayer is to realize who he is, worship him for who he is, and lay your requests at his feet to this one who is like no other. And incidentally, he loves to hear your voice. He loves your voice. He made your voice the way it sounds. You think about that. My father's been gone a long time. But if he made a long-distance phone call, I mean, that, that would be a long-distance phone call. I picked that phone. I know his voice in an instant. God made our voice. Our fingerprints are unique. Our retinas are Our voices are. You know the voices. It's amazing. God longs to hear our voice in prayer. Well, condemned. we must approach him in his greatness and think rightly about him. <gasps> he's amazing. And that he's not some beggar, poor, small, puny God who's not a... He's the glorious majesty of all. By faith, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is in all his fullness. And second condition, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently, means with fervent, means intensity, with passion, means with heart, who seek him. You must, second condition, you must diligently seek him in prayer with all earnestness and sincerity and, and none of this half-hearted stuff. You ever see that in a race where you run and, and uh, you keep, I used to run track a million years ago and that kind of thing, and you kind of, if you're running a long one, you keep a little back because if you burn up all that sugar in your blood, you, they're going to have to carry you out and you won't finish. But a lot of folks sort of uh, run life that way. They're always kind of holding back for that last, I'm waiting for that last kick. And there's never any kick. They're just, and they cross the line and they're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> people live like that. People pray like that, sort of half-hearted, sort of holding. This is all in praying. God loves that passion, intensity. We cry out to him. God responds to that. It's not an add-on. It's not sort of in between. But we seek him diligently. If you do this, A, God promises to reward you from our verse by answering your prayers for his glory and his purpose. Prayer is more than something that merely changes us. God uses it to bring real change in our world. Even as we end our prayers, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, I've seen that little placard 
as if it's the sum total of praying. Prayer changes things. And on the back says, it changes me. Well, no kidding, it changes me. It makes my heart tender. And uh, it makes me realize I'm more and utterly dependent on the Lord. But it also, in the grand mix to the glory of God, historically time-space, God has so brought this, worked in my heart for His glory that we might ask Him to show His glory so that things really change. And we go like, it really affected true change. It changes things and it changes me. Now, I don't know what happened this last week with my mother. We, my mom had that heart attack. She's waiting on a stint in her left uh, uh, artery of her heart. A uh, week from tomorrow, she's going to have that arterial gram. But she, I talked to her Friday night. She was ecstatic because her carotid and the Doppler test was plugged up but for a little. And she finally got into the carotid specialist. And we've been praying and trusting the Lord. And when the doctor uh, looked at the stuff, looked at her and said, I don't know, Mrs. Zabolski, if, if, if you need that carotid surgery. We're going to do another Doppler right now, and we're going to check on this thing and, and so on. So they did, and they came in and reported, you do not need that surgery. You do not need it. And my, uh, those of my family that are medical were worried about with the anesthesia in her heart and this kind of thing. He said, no, no, you're open. And uh, that's a good, my, my mother doing a test. She's just praising God, giving thanks to him. Did God clear it up? Did he heal her with it? Was it read wrong the first time? Who knows? I don't know. I don't care. But all of a sudden, we sense God has done something here, and he got all the glory. Well, thank you for praying for mom and dad. And uh, we really sense uh, his reward and answer to prayer. And it changed us, reminded us the Lord is in charge and we're not. And, and look at two, God works, God's work advances as we earnestly seek him in prayer. That James 5.16, we all know that very well, where James says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous, doesn't mean we're right, but we, we're saved, we have the righteousness, righteous man or woman accomplishes much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes much. That's that diligent, that's that earnestness, that's that, that, that praying. Praying like Elijah prayed it wouldn't rain. He talks about that in James 5, and it didn't rain for three years. Well, this kind of praying is purposeful, it's intentional, it can't be done on the fly. Some of you are like, well, I pray going to work. Well, you should. I see the way you drive. But, uh, you know, our short prayers owe their strength to the longer ones. We need to do what Jesus said. We have to make time in our crazy schedules where we go into our closet, Jesus said, into our room privately, shut the door, get down on our knees, and, and talk to the Lord about things in our heart, in our life, and worship. And then as we go about our day, you know, where you're driving, go, oh, Lord, remember this, and uh, Jonathan, that, and, and uh, you, you see, we're driving, we're thinking, you see what I mean? There, but it's not based solely on the fly. It's hard to have... That earnest, fervent, intense prayer, that concentration prayer, uh, when we're always moving from here to there with little thought. This kind of praying is purposeful, intentional, can't be done on the fly. It really involves a kind of laboring in prayer. I think it's one of the hardest works to do, to go in and pray for an hour. And I always suggest that you shut the door, pray. I suggest you pray audibly. 
If not, your mind's going to be in a thousand things. You'll be thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner. I mean, that's how bad our situation Lord, uh, I want to worship you, today, and I'm thinking about going to the gym. So if you, if you speak audibly, that's why I shut the door, it'll keep your thoughts more lineal. You'll still trail off, especially if you're early in. I kind of wake up in prayer in the morning, and uh, in the first 15 minutes, it's kind of a disclaimer, Lord, I'm not really sure what I, help me to wake up here. Oh, there it is, it's coming, you know. And so, but that's a wonderful way to come to for the day. I suggest that to you. And it gets me started right, warms my heart, uh, which needs to be warmed up. I, it falls out of tune during the night hour. I don't know what it is about sleeping. I wake up in the morning, Lord, my heart needs to be tuned up. You ever play the guitar, it goes out of tune so fast? Hearts are like that. All of a sudden, we're like, ah, we got to, Lord, tune my heart to sing your prayer. Yeah. And then B, look, if you desire to be rewarded by God, you must, by faith, be a diligent seeker of him in prayer. And as you give yourself to this, he will meet you in the sweetest of fellowship, and he'll bless your heart with a joy. It involves, number one, a continual knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. It used to be a song like that when I was in school, knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Uh, it, that's what it is. That's what it is, knocking, knocking, knocking. You know what? God invites us to do that. It's not like, yeah, I, I wish that guy go away. I'm sick of him. You know, like, <laughs> like a neighbor, you know. You know, let's pretend they don't hear us. Maybe we'll go away. No, God invites us to come and to develop the discipline of prayer. We want to do that as a church. Two, Jesus uh, told us that it's this kind of praying that God rewards. In Matthew 6, check it out later. Check it out this week. Go in the door, shut. Go in your room, shut the door, get on your knees, and God who sees what's secret will reward. Jesus, you use that very word, he'll reward what's done in secret to his glory and according to his will. Three, Jesus gives us further instruction on praying in Matthew 7, where he talks about an increased effort in our part of our prayers as we lay our burden at his feet. Remember that? Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Let me suggest there's increased intensity. You can ask, right? You can ask. Uh, a son will ask his father for something, and the father, father says, uh, no way. You think I'm crazy? You're not getting that. No, 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 no. And then uh, uh, he can seek. He can, he can ply it down a little harder. Yeah, that happened recently. We won't use any names. But Faith came up into the bedroom. I was in bed. And she woke me up and said, one of our kids, remains nameless, not him, uh, <laughs> said he, he wore, oh, I blew it. <laughs> he or she said... <laughs> I got worn down and said yes. And, and, you know, seeking, knocking, right? Asking, seeking, knocking. And there's an increased effort there. And, and God, how much, it, that's an idiom where the Lord says, how much more quickly will your Father in heaven give you what that which is good? And, and so on. So that's what David said, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Such is the one who receives the reward of God. Wow. Wow. Reward. Better than the post office reward, right? Uh, wow. Well, lessons for our life, and we're, we're done. Number one, if you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, then can I say to you, prayer needs to be an increasing part of your life. You've got to grow up. Get out of kindergarten, okay? You've, been, you've come to know the Lord. Maybe you're this high, maybe this high. And God brought you to himself, and you're still like, nah, I hardly pray before I eat, and that's it. And you, it's, it needs, you need to, you know, 
build it into your life. Do it earlier in the day. I recommend it's easier to do that as a priority. It should be an active and growing part of your daily life. Develop the discipline of meeting with the Lord. If you do, you'll grow more in love with the Lord. You will. I promise there will be a sweet joy in your life that He will give you. He will share. It will be the bliss of God. He'll fill your heart. It doesn't matter if it's raining or pouring. God will give grace. He'll give joy to you. He'll help you carry the burdens of life. He'll make a way when it seems impossible. He's the God of the impossible. I mean, he says that in, in the scriptures. The Lord says that. You know, there he's talking, a rich man and a poor man. And a rich man, it's hard for a rich man to get saved. Well, he depends on all his wealth, right? But what is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the God of the impossible. Everything is beyond us, but not him. Number two, make it your life study to come to understand uh, as much as you can of the glory and the greatness and the mystery of God. He's utterly beyond us. But there are some true things, though in a finite sense, we can know of him. Uh, a lot of folks, when they begin to think, oh, I should do that, uh, I, I remember years back, J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. They go like, oh, this is a great book. I never knew God was so great and awesome. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you come to him and seek him and knock on heaven's door in his greatness and glory and grandeur. It's not some puny little God. He owns everything. It's all his. Your heartbeat, your next breath, the water. I mean, where do you think you came from? A cosmic accident? You bear the very image of God for his glory. Study. Come to know him. Three, here we are at an interesting point in the life of our church. I mean, we have a real need here. I invite you to join me, join Faith and I, in earnestly praying for God's reward uh, in the next two weeks as we wait upon the Lord Jesus to raise at least $37,000. You're like, is that a lot? That's a lot of money. Can God do that to me? Of course he can, and far more. Keep our eyes on him. It's for our closing. It's for the construction so we can begin right away. And as you pray, I really encourage you, this is what faith I we pray, Lord, lay a, par, a, a figure upon our heart that demonstrates our trust in you, that we're walking by faith, not by sight. And remember, your gift as you give to the building fund for this purpose is not to build a building. It's a tool to reach families and community for the gospel's sake. It's people. People need the Lord. It's a place. And so that's what we're doing, and we've, we're clear on that. Pray and ask the Lord to lay a figure and join us the next two Sundays, next week and the next, as we give our offerings over and above our general monies uh, let me encourage you of what Paul said to the Corinthians. Give yourself first to the Lord. Say, Lord, I give myself to you and all that I am. Now, what is it you want for this, Lord, for your glory? That's the way Faith and I pray in it. So join us in that. And number four, remember our vision as a church to be missionaries here in central Pennsylvania for Jesus. That we would love people to the gospel, that people would see Jesus in us. That we care for people and hug them and hold them and, and help them. People are hurting everywhere, broken lives and lonely, and they need Jesus. We are, we, are, we are not given the building buildings, but the disciple people. That's what we're doing. We're as co-workers. And as you and I give, we'll better be able to be a lighthouse that God wants us to be. Let's walk with him. This is an exciting walk of faith, trusting the wonderful God and receiving his reward. So like an old friend, Hebrews eleven six encourages us. Or without faith, it's impossible to please God. So come to our amazing God.
And let's earnestly seek him in this in prayer. For he promises to reward. Wow. Without faith it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is in all his grandeur. And that he is the rewarder. Rewarder. God rewards of those who diligently seek him. You know, our days are passing. Soon they'll be gone. Have you noticed how fast it's going? This is our time to stand. This is our time. Might not be very many more months or years or whatever. Well, never let it be said that we didn't rise to the challenge and enjoy the blessing of God. Hey, I want to be a part of a church that gives and gives and gives. Not only money, but time and talents. I'm telling you, that's a happy church. People that give and do that make such a difference because that's the way God is. He gives and he gives. Gives time, counsel, help, provisions. Generous, generosity. That's God. That's the kind of church I want. That's the kind of person I want to be. I hate stinginess. Let's give to the Lord a sacrifice that honors him in this. And then let's party hardy as we say, look what God did in this church of our size. And people are like, and there are a lot of people watching. Like, are those people crazy over there? I mean, and the banker told me, she said, you know, I shouldn't do this, but um, I'm emotionally attached to, to grace. And excuse my judgment. Because when I do the numbers, you know, like, you know, you have to be cold and counting. You know how that is. You just objectively. But she said, I can't let go of it. I, I'm for you. I really think God's going to make this all come together and happen. And I shouldn't, but I'm emotionally involved. That's unusual words for a banker, right? <laughs> I'm just going, thank you, Lord. We've been praying that God would soften her heart and everyone else. And, and then she said, we have, a bank, we have the date scheduled for September 30th for closing. And get the building permit and get rolling to build this tool for the gospel to make a difference on 325 Silver Springs Road for the glory of God. Come and join us. Don't delay. Don't wait. Be the first. Don't hold back. Let's do this and then we'll party. Let's stand and be dismissed. May God give you a good week as you serve him. So, so wonderful Lord he is. Father, dismiss us with your blessing. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you save us, Lord, and we become men and women of faith. And if there's any here that have never trusted you, may they say today, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my God. Bless us, Lord. Make us a blessing to all that we should meet. May we be encouragers and grow grace to make a greater impact upon people for Jesus' sake. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.